At this point, what can you say? Jets are 0-2, and both games were disastrous. Sabo Radio after week two, well, after the Jets, Sunday portion of week two. Um, waiting for Monday Night Football tonight with Vegas and New Orleans without Michael Thomas, which hurts one of my fantasy teams greatly. 31-13 loss to the Niners, and again, much like the Buffalo score, it wasn't even that close. What can you say at this point? There are issues. We'll go through some of the game film. Well, it's not film. It's still the broadcast view. There are issues across the board. You can't point the finger at just one person, whether it's Darnold, whether it's Gase. The head coach, Gase, deserves most of the blame, especially in this one. Week one, I thought his play calling was fine. And like I said, what you can get on Gase about in week one is preparation. Is Darnold prepared? Is your team prepared? Preparation, game plan, uh, some of the schematic stuff that's that happens over the course of installing a system and head coaching traits. You know, does he have that it factor when it comes to head coaching? You know, can he challenge guys the way Bill Parcells, for example, used to do that? Uh, you know, plant some kind of hidden message in someone's locker to get him motivated for a certain game. If the head coach sees that guy is down. Those certain things is the concern with Gase. But the problem is week two against San Fran, it wasn't just that. The play calling was a factor. Darnold was a non-factor, and he couldn't really even play. That's the problem. 31-13, Darnold finishes with 179 and a touchdown. Garbage time touchdown to Berrios. No picks, only one sack uh, for a six-yard loss, 21-32. Frank Gore led the way. Uh, oldest guy, set a record, and this is just jet-like, set a record for the oldest running back or oldest player to get 20 or more carries in an NFL game. Was he, 37? My age. Uh, which signals to me I'll never make it in the NFL. I think I missed the boat. LaMichael Perrine, first NFL action, three carries, 17 yards. Josh Malone, one for 12. Darnold scrambled once, picked up a first down, finished two for seven. Through the air, I thought Braxton Berrios was great. I keep get, I'm on this kid from the get-go. I think he's a good player, a uh, great route runner, hard worker, he finished with 6 for 59, Hogan 6 for 75, Malone 4 for 16, Perryman 2 for 12. He left early uh, due to an ankle, if I'm not mistaken, on that screen where he was blocking. They lost Perryman, McGovern, Mallet, and someone else who is escaping me right now. Uh, and Gase discussed those injuries on the conference call today. Perryman and McGovern, I think they're out for Sunday and most likely Thursday. We don't know. Gase did not rule them out. Um, you know, remember, it's the Colts Sunday and then Denver on Thursday. So it kind of hurts anyone who's injured right now, who's week to week. It kind of hurts uh, having that Thursday game in week four. But Perryman ankle, 
Gase said he may miss a game or possibly two. McGovern hamstring, he's going to be week to week. Quincy Wilson is in concussion protocol. Arthur Mallett, groin. Jamison Crowder will be reevaluated Wednesday. They need one of these receivers back. I mean, Mims can't return to week four because of the IR designation, and it might actually be week five, if I'm not mistaken, because I think he was put on IR after week one. But double check that for me. So without Mims, without Perryman, Darnold is left with no one, no outside threat. So look for Lawrence Cager to get a shot if he's healthy. I did see him practice last week. He was running on the kickoff team. So it looks like he's healthy. Is that totally game shape? I don't know. But we'll see. Look for Cager to be elevated from the practice squad for this game Sunday. They need, Darnold needs one of those tall guys. And in terms of 11 personnel, Barrios and Crowder's healthy. Um, you know, they have a problem. Because you want to play Barrios, but then Crowder and Barrios are two slot guys. Hogan isn't that much more of a contrasting style player to those two little guys. So you want one of the big guys, Perryman, Mims, or Cager, and then the other two spots could be anything, which I would love it if it was, if it was uh, Crowder, Barrios, Cager, or Crowder, Barrios, Mims. But you know Hogan's going to be in there as well. So that's where they sit injury-wise. And, uh, you know, it's bad, but it's not as bad as other teams. I mean, San Francisco, they were complaining about the turf. Uh, They lost Bosa. They lost Solomon Thomas. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo on a sack, early sack by Quinnen Williams. He hurt his uh, ankle. And Quinnen Williams is the number one positive by far from Sunday's game. Two sacks. He was good. Uh, He he really played with an attitude that you you could see. And against a good Niners O-line. But the Niners, injured. Bosa, lost for the year. So many guys lost for the year. Saquon Barkley. For all you lunatics who thought no preseason was a good idea, you are lunatics. It's that simple. You're lunatics. Preseason is so necessary, especially at the NFL level. Because the NFL, the way they practice, it's like a country club. You know, you get your Corona, put the umbrella in the mixed drink, kick your feet up on the lounge chair by the pool. Yeah, we're putting a lounge chair by the pool. That's the way NFL practices go. And you need that preseason to gear up a little bit. You know, some old school thoughts you could quickly wave away. Not that one. You need preseason. So if they cut down on preseason, they better keep at least two games for next year. Injuries across the NFL. I mean, ridiculous. So Jets enter week three, needing a win. Gase, everything is on fire in the world of Adam Gase, deservedly so. Um, even Greg Williams, his defense, one of the most overlooked aspects because Jets fans didn't want to talk about it anymore because it was a tired subject was how bad this defense was going to be without Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams made up for so many of their ills. No pass rush, no playing space edge guy. Okay, Jamal Adams takes away one side on the edge in run support. That means the offense will have to go to the weak side. Without Jamal, and Marcus May did a hell of a job week one. Week two, he kind of slid back a little. 
Marcus May, although he's adequate, he's no Jamal Adams. Now, having said that, was this defense ever going to be great as constituted right now with Jamal Adams? No. And I didn't expect them to match last year's DVOA. I think it was at 10 with Jamal Adams this year. Without him, I actually expect and still expect the offense to finish as a better unit than the defense this year. Missed tackles left and right. No one keeps their feet. Everyone's lunging. It's just poor fundamentals left and right. They have nothing at linebacker. Alec Ogletree, there was a play where he over-pursued. Uh, I think it was, was it McKinnon? It was on that long run that was at third and 31, I believe. And he over-pursued it so bad, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Avery Williamson, fans are screaming why Avery Williamson's not playing. Gase said to the media, it's the plan to ease him back in. Who knows? Does he look as good as he used to prior to the injury? I'm assuming no, because if he did, he'd be in there with Hewitt. They need that guy badly. Um, Cornerbacks, you know, bless Austin. He's missed some tackles. I still think he's a solid run support corner. Um, Desir got a gift of an interception. Uh, Even on that play, the defense was terrible in communication. It was Desir and I think Hewitt, Desir and a linebacker, uh, trying to man down a stack formation, and uh, the communication wasn't there. Ball just got tipped up, and they picked off Mullins, the backup quarterback. So what is the issue here? What is the main problem? Honestly, it's that Gase and the Jets have a mentality problem. Gase is so married to the game plan that he comes up with on the, during the week that while he's rolling through the game, he doesn't adapt and it hurts his own offense. Gase enters, enters this game knowing the Niners defense is legit. They have a sick pass rush. They uh, gave up the fewest deep plays last year. I forget what the stat he, was that he cited. I know Buffalo was also among the ranks, among the leaders in that category as well. But, okay, Gase comes into the game with a conservative, we need to stay at a third and longs, stay at a second and longs, and convert on third down, convert in the red zone. Let's slow, let's make the game shorter, try to go on these long, sustained drives, and keep our defense on the sideline. That's great if you have the right team to pull it off, if you're in the right era to get it done. You know, something like that, the time, possession, uh, chew up the clock offense works for Bill Parcells in the 1990 Giants. Best O-line in the game, I would argue. Uh, Good running backs. Great defense with Belichick running that defense with Lawrence Taylor to keep it away from the K-gun Buffalo Bills. And, you know, keep the defense off the field except for 20 minutes i think it was a 40 to 20 time of possession split it's great that's what great coaches do the problem is it's 30 years later now that doesn't happen there's no such thing as a great defense anymore there's no such thing as um you know three yards and a cloud of dust three times and punt it and you could win it that way it doesn't work like that in today's league and i can't believe Adam Gase isn't more assertive in terms of uh, deviating from the game plan and taking shots downfield 
in a league that rewards offenses for taking shots downfield in one-on-one situations when there's just a single high safety. It boggles my mind. You see it, they do it often. Raiders last year, Cowboys, they attack downfield when the game plan calls for it. That's the problem. But Sam Fran, because he was fearful, um, they didn't, Darnold didn't take his first legitimate one-on-one shot down the sideline until 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter to Chris Herndon. Of course, pass interference on the defense. He took another shot, one-on-one to Griffin. Caught. Offensive pass interference. Okay, it happens. He took his third shot, and it was to Josh Malone. Incomplete. Guess what? Defensive pass interference. Three shots downfield, and quite honestly, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, You know, how do you not take more shots than that? That's the question right now. For those on YouTube um, looking at the video, you'll see the video playing right now. Darnold takes that first shot to Herndon, defensive pass interference. It's not like the old days when the fans used to scream, throw the bomb, throw it deep, and they have no idea why they can't throw it deep. But, you know, that's why it's not like the old days. It's 2020. The rules allow teams to do this. If you're still watching... Griffin makes the second one, one one-on-one situation. Anytime there's one deep safety, not too deep, and the play carries out that way, it's one-on-one on on the outside. I don't care if it's Herndon, Perryman, even Hogan. The Jets have weapons who could win one-on-one, and if the quarterback's good enough, he he will make the right throw. Back shoulder, whatever. Gase didn't allow Darnold, or Darnold didn't allow himself to really take these shots yesterday on Sunday. And that's criminal in this league. I don't care how much the Niners scare you. When Bosa goes out, when Solomon Thomas goes out, all those injuries happen. It's not the same team. Sherman's not playing. D Ford's not playing. You got to be kidding me. You got to take those shots. And it leads back to the Jets having a mentality problem. Don't hang with the other team. Don't hang with the best. That shouldn't be your motive. That shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should be to get ahead of the best. And Gase just doesn't do that. And he deviates. And he doesn't deviate, excuse me, from the game plan. On first down, and this is the most frustrating, concerning thing. Last year, Jets had no O-line. This year, they have an O-line. This line is playing well. For the entire game, Jets ran the ball on first down for 79 yards on 15 attempts, 5.2 yards per carry. Second down, 2.5 yards per carry, 20 yards, 8 runs. It was even worse in the first half. In the first half, they tallied 41 yards on 7 attempts, 5.8 yards per And only eight yards on five carries. Eight yards on five carries on second down in the first half. So the fact they ran so well, the offensive line did its job so well on first down, the fact that they couldn't generate anything off of that is absurd. It's absurd. To follow the game plan that strictly, get five on first down, have second and five, 
and not have your quarterback and your weapons take advantage of that situation is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Instead, Gase continued to pound it on second down, continued a three-step drop game no matter what the Niners' defense was throwing out there. Uh, you know, they, they go single high, press on the outside, and the Jets still wouldn't take chances downfield on the sideline. So a second and five turns into third and two, and then they fail on third and two. Take those shots on second and five, on second and three, when the defense gives them to you. I understand it, it goes against your game plan, but you can't be that rigid. That's the issue. Uh, there was a sequence uh, early in the game, uh, in the first half. Gore ran for, uh, he was a yard short on second down. Brought up a third and one. Gore didn't get it. Brought up a fourth and one. Josh Adams was in the game. They got stuffed. Greg Van Rotten completely whiffed on the linebacker coming right down the A-gap on the backside, if you want to call it that. And after the game, Darnold said he didn't have the option to audible, which is concerning. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Most times he doesn't, which is an issue. Gase told the media he had a pass first in mind, but the pass was really uh, generated and catered towards Brashad Perryman, who was already out of the game. So he changed it to a run with Gore out of the game, Josh Adams in, and the Jets get stuffed. Examples like that, where it's too conservative and you're not taking what the defense gives you, is why the mentality just isn't there. And before Jets fans were even in their seats at MetLife Stadium, well, of course, they weren't. There were no fans. Raheem Mostert did this. Outside, watching it right now on YouTube, pitch, Touchdown, 80 yards. And that's what Kyle Shanahan did all first half for the majority of the game. Attack the Jets' edge. Attack outside. Attack outside. Attack outside. Make these linebackers, these stiff linebackers, Hewitt and Ogletree, try to go sideline to sideline and attack the slow edge. This pitch was to Henry Anderson's side. He was playing edge on a four-man front. And Henry Anderson... They're misusing him. He's not an edge guy. He's an inside guy. And any offensive play caller taking on a defense with no no playing space edges, that's what you're going to do. And you're going to attack the edge, and you're going to keep doing it until they could prove to you they could fix it. So 14-43 left in the first quarter. It's already 7 nothing. You can't start a game much worse. Now, that's the frustrating part on top of everything is even though they gave up that huge play, the offense actually moved the ball well early and on first down first run of the game goes to Gore. What would look like a inside zone five yards and Gase even allowed Darnold and the Jets offense to pass on second and manageable second and five. The first second down of the game was an example of that. The problem is all of these passes are controlled passes that, you know, it's just one read, three step and out. That's the problem. There needs to be more variety in terms of something downfield, something in a one-on-one situation. Incomplete Darnold. 
You go to third and five. And then this was the, they capitalized on the first down, Hogan nine yards. Um, and then back to Gore on the first down run, which picks up seven. Again, offensive line did its job early. Seven yards, you'll see it coming up pretty soon. And then on second and three, they went back to the air again. Uh, looked like a, from the broadcast view, that run you just saw looked like a split zone, but I'm not positive. Second and three, another pass, incomplete to Hogan on the right. Which one was this when he got hit? He should have made the catch. I think this is the one where he got hit from behind. Let's see here. Yeah, he's got to make that catch, Hogan. So, decent job by Gase early on. I, I kind of like exactly what he was doing. No reason to force anything. Um, abide by the game plan on the first series, the script. See what the Niners do. Now, right here, on third and three, look at the Niners' day. You got eight in the box. Corner, corner, press, single high. This was to Gore on the right side. Let's see what happens here. I think it's a split zone, and they don't get it. This is the type of stuff that is rigid and and can't last. This is a look that is inviting you to call something one-on-one to the outside. You have Brashad Perryman here. Hogan, I really don't want to take a lot of chances one-on-one with Hogan, but Perryman, that's his game. He could get that done. Okay, double tight end wing look. I don't know if it's max protect. I don't know they ran it. That's right. But you, you could even go max protect here. That's fine if you're expecting the blitz. It could be a two-man pattern for all I care. Do a back shoulder with Perryman. These are not elite corners. And it's not like it's going to be a seven-step drop in which you need phenomenal pass protection here. Darnold, get it. Work the one-on-one game, back shoulder with Perryman. Get the first down. Get the confidence going. I'm making it sound easier than it is, obviously. But in this league, the way these rules are, the one-on-ones favor the offense. And if you don't take those shots, you put yourself behind the eight ball in terms of capping, excuse me, maximizing your opportunities. So instead, they go with the ground game. Niners have a run blitz on. No shot. This is the mentality problem. You want to hang with them. Don't want to make mistakes. Want to control time. Instead of let's bury this decimated team who is dealing with a Super Bowl hangover, who lost to Arizona in week one, very unimpressively. Let's get ahead of this team and bury this team. I don't care what your talent is. That's what your mindset should be. Now, does that mean being completely irresponsible? You know, and installing a run and shoot on the Monday part of the game and going empty every play and throwing a 45, 50 yard pass every time? Of course not. But if you don't take those chances and you wait until 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter to start taking advantage of single high press looks 
you're not doing right by your quarterback. You're not doing right by your offense. This is NFL 2020. That stuff could fly 30 years ago with the right talent in the right situation. It doesn't fly today. And that's the major problem. And unlike week one where I thought the play calling was fine and Darnold was just horrible, week two, Gase. The play calling, the mindset, it falls on the head coach. And there's no, there was no positive that could possibly get him off the hook in any one area. Next drive, Gore, right tackle. Uh, what was it? Mid to outside zone, if I remember uh, correctly. Five yards, again. Offensive line does a great job. Uh, next play on second and five. Uh, let's see what type of run this is. He only gets one yard. And again, one of those situations, second and five, a great situation ahead of the chains. Five yards on first down is brilliant. Niners played run. See, this is not the 2009 New York Jets offensive line. Not the best dominant unit in the league and Gase with that game plan to control clock not attack downfield be conservative that only works with a unit like Rex's in 2009 it doesn't work with this unit it doesn't work with most units in the league today there's a blitz from the Niners Darnold to Perryman on the speed out great pickup on third and four so you know the offense was rolling early uh, but that's not a knock on the offensive line. Most of these offensive lines can't do it and execute in every situation. You know, on the fourth and one, the failed fourth and one, Gase and Darnold both said, we need to execute. Yeah, I mean, you could say that for every play, you need to execute. But when the odds are stacked against you in terms of executing, chances of executing, if the defense puts a heavy run blitz on, or you don't allow the quarterback to audible and move to a quarterback sneak when it's open... There's Darnold to Berrios. Uh, where did he start from? Backfield or receiver? I don't know. It looked like a slot wheel. I think he was from the slot. Excellent job on first down. Seven yards. Offense is rolling. But Gase, just not knowing his personnel, thinking his O-line could succeed in every situation, you know, second and five, second and three with a run blitz coming. It's not the way to go. Take your shots with Darnold. Get the kid's confidence up early when the defense allows it in those run blitzing situations, second and three again, second and three is a golden opportunity to do something golden. Yet they go on the ground and notice nothing. Not a lot of counters in this game. Not a lot of longer developing runs that Le'Veon Bell likes. Everything was zone quick and it played to Gore's strengths. Look at the Niners day. Four on the line. Um, we'll call it nine in the box, even though it's truly not because the DBs are matching up against the the close formation. Um, so we'll call it seven in the box with three DBs who could threaten. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Again, single high. It's a golden opportunity to go play action. You've been running the ball well so far. Go play action, get Darnold on the run, or take a shot. Take a shot in single coverage. Look at this. 
There's plenty of space. The Niners are going to fall for run there. Go play action. Instead, they keep it on the ground. I wasn't paying attention to the exact run call, but they keep it on the ground and lose two. That's the golden opportunity wasted. Third and five, they go empty. Um, Now, the Niners' D is ready. They're playing pass all the way. Take what the defense gives you. They're playing pass all the way. Uh, Four-man front, looks like it's a four-man rush. No funny business. Darnold does something at the line. And, yep, four-man rush. Two deep. They're playing the sticks. Darnold scrambles, gets the first down. So far, Darnold, the play on the field, has overcome the play calling. The lack of not taking shots when it's there. But obviously that catches up to them eventually. First and down, uh, excuse me, first down, go up the middle for four yards. Looks like uh, inside zone from what I could tell from the broadcast. Another positive play, four yards on first down. Second and six, Gates goes back to the air. Three yards to Perryman, empty. So the Niners know no run is coming. Obviously, it could be a design screen, something. It's a design screen, bubble to Perryman. That is, in essence, a run play on second and six. A design screen, a bubble, anything designed with blockers where Darnold has no other option but to go that one spot is, in essence, a run play in the mind of all play callers. So another second down run, basically, on second and six. Then third and three. Darnold hits Hogan Hogan for, what was it, eight yards? What was this, the one in the flat, I believe? Correct. Darnold's probably a little late on that ball, as he is sometimes in the flat. Uh, Another first down. Darnold's is playing well. No big shots, but he's playing well for what the circumstances are. First and ten. Go to the well one too many times. Gore gets planted for minus two. Um, You know, so far it's been, first down has been majority run dominated. And the yards per carry can um, excuse that away because they were really good on first down. Sack on second down and on third down. I don't like this play. I understand a third and long give up play in situations, certain situations, most situations as fans get frustrated, but not here. When you're third and long, you're on a give up play like a draw or a screen because there's no chance to get anything downfield. You know, you see the corners 15 yards off playing the sticks here. The Niners, the DC says, all right, I know you guys aren't going to take a chance. So I'm going to show pressure. I might blitz, but I probably won't because I know you're not going to take a chance. You're going to go with a draw or a screen and try to burn me because you think I am blitzing. That's what defensive coordinators start to do to gaze offenses. They show pressure and rarely blitz on third down because they think something quick is coming. Look at the space, the one-on-one space. Okay, if they blitz, throw it to the seats. There's no harm in that. I, uh, you know, you're already at the 26. 
How many more yards do you need for a ficken field goal? The play is obviously a run. I understand it in many situations. Uh, I understood it before the first half ended in Buffalo when he went with that screen because Buffalo's corners were 15 yards off and they were coming. So I understood that. Here I don't take a shot in one-on-one. Single high and better yet, if you don't want to go to Hogan in one-on-one, which I wouldn't, get Perryman down there or get Herndon in an ISO situation. If it's Herndon, the Niners have to match with a safety or a linebacker. Uh, it would be a safety, but you get the idea. Not a corner. The only way they could put corner on Herndon is if they have a dime in there and they don't. It's nickel. Only five DBs. So it would be safety. It would be a safety on Herndon. Why not ISO Herndon take a shot or put Perryman there take a shot? The safety shading a little bit to the left to Perryman's side to the two weapon side, but he eventually gets to the middle. And instead of taking a shot here, hoping for the best defensive pass interference, which happens all the time in this league, they pick up a few yards on the ground and they give up play that I don't like. So thus far, offensive line playing well on first down. They just aren't allowing themselves to even have the possibility to take chances on second down and on third down. Everything is too structured. Nothing is flowing. Nothing is reactionary to what's happening in the game. Another zone call. Gore busts it for 13 yards. The offensive line is playing great. Gore is playing great. How it's 14 to 3 right now? Well, I understand how it's 14, but how you only have three points with nine minutes to go in the second quarter is insane. Next first down, Gase actually goes to the air to Hogan for eight yards. Positive play. Well, yeah, it's going to be a positive play when you throw it um, on first down and it's a wide receiver screen. It's the play Perryman gets hurt. You know, it caught the Niners by surprise. First down throw. You got everything that you want right now working. Honestly, that's how well they were playing up to this point. Other than capitalizing on the scoreboard. Second and two. Again, this second and two. Is a golden opportunity to take a chance. Look at the Niners day. Four, eight in the box. Press with single high. I know Perryman just went out, but again, you're telling me Darnold can't throw a one-on-one situation open? It's ridiculous. Jets, uh, mid-zone it looks like. Gore, two yards, they get the first down. Second down, still not running very well. First down, they are. Another first down. Gase actually goes to the air again. Herndon for five yards. There goes Berrios on the jet sweep action. Uh, Roll out, play action. Herndon gets five. Excellent job. Second and five. What do the Niners do? Looks like they're expecting run. Jet sweep action again with Berrios. Someone darts in from the edge and gets Gore in the backfield. Second and five turns into a highly pressured third and three. Yeah, short percentages in your favor, sure. But 
to put Darnold and put the, the offense in third down so often with the certain structures of the play call is not a good idea. Flat to Hogan again. Good job by Darnold reading it. First down. Um, then he hits Braxton Berrios for 11 yards. And Berrios, I, I really want to see him play and continue to start with Darnold because I think he's exactly what Darnold needs. If he and Crowder can get on the field at the same time, I'm down with that. Him, Crowder, and one of the tall, one of the big threats, like we said earlier, Mims, Perriman, or Cager. Another first down. Gore is going to go to the right side for four. Uh, Wisco, I formation. Might be a lead zone. And Gore gets four. Second and six. Here we go. Another one of those second and manageable situations. As you see, Frank Gore has barely aged in 14 years. So far, 13 rushes, 42 yards. Excellent job. Two tight ends, 12 personnel. Another inside zone. Gore gets tripped up, setting up the third and one. Now, third and one. Come on. You're down 14-3. Four and a half minutes to go in the first half. If there was ever a time to try to surprise a defense that's going to be overly aggressive, again, this is it. Single high press. This is this is disrespectful to any NFL quarterback. It's for a corner to be that hard at the line with just one single safety, that is disrespectful to any NFL offense and any NFL quarterback. And to not take one shot at that all first half, all first three quarters is truly one of the more astounding things I've ever seen. You know, being that rigid to the game plan, to that extent, even after all the injuries that the Niners sustained, is truly remarkable. Gore, right down the gut, nothing. Yeah, when the defense is preparing for a run, the odds are stacked against the offensive line. But if the offensive line's winning on first down at above five yards per clip, it's a hell of a job. Don't take that away from the offensive line, that they are winning. Fourth and one. As we already talked about, Gay said he had a pass in initially, but the pass was should have supposed to feature Bashad Perriman. Perriman was out of the game. They go to a run. Look at the Niners setup. I believe that's a one tech. Uh, I can't see exactly where this D end is lined up, but there is so much room for a quarterback sneak just to get that done. And the fact Sam Darnold can't audible, or that's not in the quarterback's mind or the coach's mind to audible to a sneak in that situation. You saw Brady do it a million times in, in Foxborough. What is it? Non-gentleman like to take advantage of certain things at the line. Patrick Mahomes scrambled for a first down like 18 freaking times against the Chargers yesterday. He understands the situation and takes it upon himself to get it done. Gase has to allow Darnold the same ability, same freedom. This is an at-the-line-of-scrimmage game. That's what college turned into a while back. 
And now the NFL is starting to turn into college ball in a lot of respects. That's why you see a lot of these college coaches have success. You know, the Patriots turning the offense into a Cam Newton quarterback run design scheme. How long can he stay healthy? That's a question uh, for a different day. Same thing with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. How long can he stay healthy? So far, so good. But Greg Roman, all these schemes, to not even allow the man to do a quarterback sneak in the situation is rough. Josh Adams, let's see the play call. I mean, again, it's pretty standard. Um, no shot. And on the replay, you'll see Greg Van Rotten, Greg Van Roten just completely whiffs. Number 62, er, gone. No shot. Turnover on downs. So for all the positives and the all all the good things, and here's the look from the top. I mean, come on. Darnold can't sneak it here. It's a gimme. Stop making life more difficult for yourselves. Van Rotten, Roten, misses him. And that's all she wrote. The other positive... Other than Quentin Williams was Mekhi Becton. Mekhi Becton played well again. And the fact that the offensive line's coming together and Quentin Williams is playing well and the Jets have never been worse under Gase is a problem. So where where does that leave them now? Basically, um, who knows? Trevor Lawrence this, Trevor Lawrence that. As we saw with Miami last year, as we see year after year, you never know who's going to finish with the number one pick. No matter how many, no matter how bad the team is, Jets started zero and four last year. Co tight, worst you know, worst head coach ever. They finished seven and nine. You never know what a full season will bring. So Trevor Lawrence is the last of my concerns and the least of my concerns right now. The biggest concern is the overall mindset, how the Jets attack week three. And the freedom Gase gives Darnold to succeed or fail. And failing is just as important as succeeding for Darnold at times. The worst thing that could happen is that he has the chance to do neither. Like we saw in week two. But again, Darnold is not, you know, don't pretend everything's rosy with Darnold. And Gase is the ultimate problem and the only problem. It's not the case. Darnold didn't play didn't do everything correctly in this game as, as well. You know, that, that garbage time touchdown at Barrios was a tremendous uh, physically gifted throw across his body, rolling to the left, throwing to the right on the scramble drill. But it's the between-the-ear stuff with Darnold at the line and mechanics with his feet, the way he steps in the bucket, as Joe Blewett likes to say. Everything is thrown from an open position. It's insane. And even when the pressure is not getting to him, his happy feet and his anxiousness in the pocket is totally, you can't miss it. It's bad. And I think it's gotten worse over time since he came into the league because of how hard the offensive line was his first year and his second year. So can that be fixed? Who the hell knows? But not everything's rosy with Darnold. Not everything's rosy with Greg Williams on the defense. 
this defense is horrible. And I don't see it getting better. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, good, good Indianapolis Colts team this weekend. On the road. Can't expect much, but you just want to see them take baby steps. Elsewhere across the league, you know, Vegas and the Saints are tonight. Cleveland, Cincinnati played on Thursday. Joe Burrow was tremendous, adding to the pain of the Jets fan. All these quarterbacks are tearing it up, as they should in this league with the way the rules are. Um, Pitt beat Denver, and it was a closer game than I thought. I didn't see much of this one. I'm going to have to see this one again. Big Ben over 300 yards. James Conner, 100 yards. Fantasy players. It's only a time before, only a matter of time before Conner gets hurt. Get Benny Snell Jr. on your team now, especially after this five-yard stinker he put up because Conner will get hurt. He's just one of those guys, one of those players. Uh, Drew Locke gets hurt, which is a killer for Denver. Cortland Sutton also gets hurt, which is a killer. So Denver at 0-2, not looking too good uh, moving forward. Indy is 1-1 after a tough week one, but they just destroy Minnesota 28-11 heading into the Jets game. Phillip Rivers, a touchdown and interception, 214. Jonathan Taylor, I mean... For you fantasy guys who drafted Taylor, big break with Marlon Mack going out early. I'll tell you. That's a big one. Uh, Mo Alley Cox with 111 yards. Pittman, 37. Colts are a good team. They are well-rounded. I think they're going to win that division. Uh, Tennessee beat Jacksonville in a thriller, 33-30. Dallas beat Atlanta, 40-39 with that crazy onside kick. What were they thinking? And with the way the rules are, you can't run up anymore. So onside kicks have become laughable. I can't believe the league has allowed this. It, it Anything that cuts down the drama at the end is a terrible move. So Dallas with Zerline rolls the ball as slow as they can to go 10 yards. And everyone in Atlanta, everyone on Atlanta acted like they were a third baseman fielding a bunt down the line. No one touched the ball. The ball was rolling so slow. All someone had to do was hop on the ball and recover it. They didn't do it. They waited. They were confused. And this would be the way Dallas gets the onside kick. Zerline kicks the game winner. This is going to be the new way to get onside kicks. Roll it as slow as you can. Hope for a uh, return team mistake. They try to pick it up. Doesn't work. Or they try to pick it up and the kicking team tries to knock it out immediately before possession is maintained. This is going to be the new way. Watch the rest of the year. This is what's going to happen on onside kicks. Um, to me, put back the running start rule in. I like the kickoff. I like the onside kick. I know it's going to go away, but put back the running start rule for onside kicks only. That's fine if you don't want to do it for regular kickoffs to cut down an injury, but for onside kicks only. And if you refuse to, do the first and 15 thing. I think it's first and 15 where the offense starts at the 35 or 40. And they have a first and 15 if they, fourth and 15. And if they convert, they continue to go. If they don't convert, they turn it over on downs in their own territory. Um, go one of those two ways because this onside kick thing, that, that was a crazy highlight, but it hardly ever happens. Uh, Philly, Rams, Rams dominated. Philly's in trouble with all that old line, with all of the old line injuries. Giants, Bears, Bears win 17-3. 
I still like the Giants. I like Daniel Jones. I like Joe Judge. I don't think they're as bad as everyone thinks. Saquon Barkley injury is a killer. Um, he's just turning out to be one of those guys who's injured too often. And it's amazing to think about with his how strong his legs are. And he's always having leg injuries. Packers, Detroit 42. Packers, Detroit 21. It was a spanking. Aaron Jones put on a clinic. Bucks beat Carolina. Tom Brady gets his first win. Uh, 31-17. With no Godwin, I believe, in that game. Arizona goes to 2-0. 30-16 over Washington. I picked them in, in one of my suicide pools. He knew they were going to win. Baltimore spanks. Houston 33-16. Kansas City barely gets by the Chargers. 23-20. And Bucker had to kick the game-winning field goal three times. Uh, twice from, I think it was 52 or 53. And then it was a false start, you know, timeout, then a false start. And then he had to kick it. It was a 58 or 59 yarder to win the game. So incredible job by Bucker with just a minute left in regulation. It was about to be a tie. This 10 minute overtime thing really yields a lot of possible ties. And then Sunday night football, Seattle beats New England down to the one yard line, one play to win the game. Cam Newton. Um, I forget what type of play. Maybe it was a quarterback power. I'm not exactly sure. They're running the inverted veer with Cam Newton. They're running uh, the power uh, power read. Like they they're doing so many things. How long will it last? I don't know. Jamal Adams had a decent day. Did get burned in coverage a few times against a receiver. It was probably zone coverage, and he picked it up. Jamal's not a liability in pass coverage. Everyone gets burned in this league. There are no such thing as lockdown corners. Stefan Gilmore got burned last night. Deep reigning defensive player of the year. Jamal Adams is no liability in pass coverage. And Seattle improves to 2-0, 35-30 victory. So that's the story of uh, week two for the Jets. A little around the NFL. We'll uh, come back later in the week, and actually, we missed the first two weeks, but we'll we'll start to do picks each week, starting with week three, and then keep that going and keep track all, all year. Jets, and then maybe two or three other games each week with the spread. Um, until then, go on iTunes, check out Sable Radio iTunes, YouTube, Jets X Factor, uh, JetsXFactor.com. Blewett has a huge week two thing coming in terms of film review. Nanny had just put out uh, numbers on the historic, well, I wouldn't say historic, just god-awful, terrible week one and week two offensive performance from Adam Gase. So check that as check that out as well. And until then, every fan will be screaming, get rid of Adam Gase. Will a miracle save him? Will they actually show up in Indianapolis? We shall see.